Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, thank you for joining us for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm your host, Regina Miller, and I'm joined in the studio by Andy Robb, my producer, as usual. Hi, Andy. Hello. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, you too. And you know what? We're talking about the blizzard of 1996. Listen to this blast from the past. January the 8th, it's 1996. The snow is still falling in the tri-state area this morning. That's right, filling the record books. Today, you're looking at a live picture of New Rochelle as the snow covers everything as far as the eye can see. Blankets and blankets of it everywhere. And that was a report from back in 1996 from WABC-TV in New York. And Andy, you were a kid at the time. Yeah. Uh, you were off school for yeah. that for like a week because you were in the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. They got heavy snow. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. And we've brought into the studio two meteorologists extraordinaire. We have Dave Dombeck and Paul Pastelock. Dave Dombeck, you were on the floor that day. You were uh, forecasting and Paul... I was there too. Were you? I was there. What? Okay. So I, I want to hear your stories because yeah. I know that Dave was forecasting. I don't remember a lot, but I was there. <laughs> All I remember is just constantly just going to the radar, the, the, the radar, calling up the radar uh, numbers and that was my job. Just keep bringing them to everybody. You know, get the radar, get the radar, get the radar. So Yeah, and it was back in the old days old. of forecasting because uh, I was talking to you, Andy, a little bit mm-hmm. before we got started because, and this is really interesting to me because I was not at AccuWeather back then, mm-hmm. but you guys were, it was a much smaller operation and it was before we really had the I- internet tools to like use to forecast this. right I, I think the internet was just kind of getting started yeah. at that time I mean people were starting to use email and so forth but it really we it, it, it was nowhere near what we have e- even by like late 90s early 2000s we were still wallpapering with maps right? oh yeah exactly our wallpaper was all forecast maps paper maps, paper uh, maps. analyzing paper yes uh, and, and we had much less information uh, right. as far as technology models we had models in obviously we did but it was it was a lot less than what we have now the guidance but i do distinctly remember one of the things about that storm and in fact we have if you've ever been to the accuweather building here we have what what's called our wall of fame all these right. big events that we had great victories and we you know we beat the competition uh in these storms um and this was one of them where the national weather service and other uh, competitors, three, four days out, they had fair weather, partly cloudy, blotty, da, nothing weather, yeah, wow. because because of the fact that uh, the one American model at that time it was called the MRF. Now it's it kind of morphed in into what we call the GFS today, mm-hmm. but it was the American model. And three, four days out, it had this wimpy little weak storm system moving off of the South Carolina coast out to sea harmlessly and nothing going on. Whereas the European model. Now, it was much more limited back in those days, the the information we got from the Euro, uh, but we did have access to some European information. Uh, That was forecasting the storm to be much stronger, much farther north, coming up the coast. 
And what it was saying was, and it was very consistent, run after run after run of that model, it kept saying the same thing, kept forecasting. It's like, I'm trying to tell you here. I'm trying to tell you guys. (laughs) Hello, we're, we're, you know, are you listening? And so it was very consistent, the consistency of of the European. That was one thing. And what it was forecasting made sense. It's not like it was some like, where is this coming from? It's science fiction. This is like way out there. If, if you looked globally, and this is more Paul's forte, you know, with looking at the whole global right, patterns right. and the teleconnections, mm-hmm. what it was forecasting made perfect sense what was going on across the globe. And I don't know, Paul, you want to maybe set the well, table the whole on thing, some of that. The whole thing, Dave, though, I wasn't a long-range forecaster then. You look back all the time yeah, at that stuff. Like I said in the beginning. <laughs> you were just running out. and so I was a monitor. Tell me your job. <laughs> I was a monitor, where a monitor is generally in charge of, you know, short-term, severe weather events, utilities, things like that. And getting uh, storm reports, so those kinds of things? Get, we had an old, ancient radar system back then. It wasn't like you call up the radar on your computer right. and everything shows up right away. We had to go to this thing. What was it called? Cavoris? Yeah, Cavoris, right, yes. Cavoris. Yeah. We had to actually call somebody. Another party, right. Another right. party and say, can you give us a radar of this area of country? And they would send a printout, oh and it would, have a bunch of number, it would have a bunch of numbers on it. One, two, three, four, and five. One being lighter precipitation, five being heavier. Oh, yeah. And that's all we had in that area. And sometimes it would take almost five minutes before we got that radar. Mm-hmm. It's so unimaginable to me now yeah. with the way things go with forecasting now. Plus, uh, you know, I was even thinking that, like, now we even have tweets and we have video yeah. and mm-hmm. we have immediate access to what's happening on the ground. We have, yep. uh, you know, we have immediate. It's, so it's it's astonishing There was no to cell me. phones back then, no cell phones. I, like, you know? well, I remember because like, I'm, I'm as old, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm as old You're not as, as old guys. as me. Well, I don't know. We're not going to say our ages out loud, but I'm thinking we're all somewhere around the same the old vicinity. I, was gonna say I think they can figure it out. Yeah, yeah. But I do remember when people used to say about surfing uh, the net. I was like, "What are they talking about with mm-hmm. surfing the net?" Because yeah. it was still so new. Everything was so new. But, yep. Heck, but I was afraid. I was afraid to touch a computer or something. <laughs> right to break something. Yeah. But let's talk about what this storm did, mm-hmm. and then let's break down how it came about. But what did we end up with? What states were hit? What are we talking about in snowfall mounds? What were the results of the blizzard of 96, as you remember? It was a mid-Atlantic storm. Mm-hmm. It was New Jersey, um, you know, Philadelphia area was hardest hit. I mean, 31 inches, That's to this day, that's their biggest snowfall on record. That's why um, you were off for a whole week, Andy. Yeah, pretty much. When you were in school. <laughs> but a lot of shoveling. So. <laughs> you made some money. Yeah. Made some bank. <laughs> just wanted out longer. They, just kept, they did it for Andy back then. I will say this much. I, I did get to build... The like the best snow fort, I, I don't think I've ever topped it with oh, really? that snowfall. Yeah, Do you have any pictures oh. of it because we could put that on. We had a whole tunnel system and everything. <laughs> yep. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so Washington, Baltimore, Wilmington, you know, New York State. That was the core part of the storm. And actually, Pennsylvania, if you looked at that, it almost sliced yes. the state in half. Cut underneath, right? It's southeastern. Yeah. The southeastern half of Pennsylvania got hammered. Here in central Pennsylvania, State College, it was a good storm. I mean, it was 17, 18 inches yes. of, sn- of snow. As close by as like Dubois, they got like an inch or two. Yes. So I, I it was hate a sharp, oh, it I was a very that. sharp cutoff. Uh, Scranton, Wilkesbury got hammered. They got like 20 inches of snow. Binghamton, New York got almost nothing. So it was one of those very yes. sharp northwestern cutoffs. 
So the snow was a big thing. It was a very cold. It was a dry, powdery snow, and there was a lot of wind with that mm-hmm. snow. There was a snow. lot of cold in front of that. Snow. A lot of cold. Very cold. Very, in cold front. very cold in front of it, and so yeah. you had that was the setup. You had the dry, cold air, Arctic air in place. What and did, here comes what, this what storm. What did the surface map look like? Big high to the north, Big probably high. up in uh, northern New England or eastern Canada. Big high, uh, Arctic high. There was actually two highs, I think. In that. And, and if you look at the upper-level structure, what you had going on is the blocking was not in your ideal Greenland block. Mm-hmm. We always look for the Greenland block for these mega, big, you know, mm-hmm. big, big, huge events. storms. Okay. Well, we had kind of a – it's actually kind of similar to what we're expecting this year – the blocking, oh, don't came tell over, me that. the blocking <laughs> came over from northern Europe and hit the eastern part of Greenland and stayed there. And then there was more blocking over central Canada, mm-hmm. which helped force the system to go farther south initially. Right. And but that block that was over that came over into eastern Greenland kept the cold in check. And that's right. what kind of kept the dry snow that we saw that blew around and everything. So it was kind of an odd setup of the blocking to have a huge system like this, but I think there was multiple factors that worked together, Dave, to get this. But there was also enough. It wasn't too much blocking and too much cold air overwhelming everything like the America model was showing and suppressing everything. So that that was was pushing it. It was keeping it. That's keeping it held in check and keeping the cold air. But there was enough amplitude to the pattern and enough Mm -hmm. of that southern branch of the jet stream that was able to have enough amplitude and able to curve it up far enough north to bring the snows up into Philadelphia and New York City and, you know, Pennsylvania, I, I really as opposed to out to sea, way to the south. I really think the modeling was confused. And, you know, these the models back then, you know, the stuff they put in nowadays is, is much more intricate and everything. But, uh, you know, I think the L, I think the LFM was confused. It didn't know. Or the N, uh, NGM. The yeah, NGM, NGM, I'm sorry. NGM. The, it was confused yeah. Yeah. On, on where these positioning of highs and mm-hmm. lows were going to be and just couldn't get it together. Yeah. And you can see what a difference that makes because we didn't have the computing power. And and even if we did, mm-hmm. this was a sharp cutoff. Very between, sharp. It, like it would be hard today to do it, mm-hmm. well, we let ha- alone back then. And you have all these models today. You have all these scenarios. You have all these ensembles. I mean, one model could have 32 ensemble runs where they run the model differently with different initializations mm-hmm. to give you different scenarios. So. When you do that nowadays, you can get a better compromise to all the modeling and get the better, you know, prediction. Yep. Back then, you, you were didn't limited. Have, you were yeah, limited very on limited. what you can use. And so you, you, you went with one solution. It could be no snow or a lot of snow. You know, that's the way it was sometimes. So it was, on our part, on AccuWeather's part, it was, um, it was you could say it was a risky move because we really put... Most we of our, most or all of there. our bas- or all of our eggs in in that European basket and that northern solution and the blizzard solution. And so, while three four days out, the National Weather Service other competitors they had you know for Philadelphia, New York City, Lottie Daw, fair weather, partly cloudy, not even a hint of snow. Four days out, we were talking about the potential for a big storm and maybe even blizzard conditions. So and that is we risky. were out there yeah. like out there kind of all by ourselves and. We we were either going to sink or swim, you know. But <laughs> patting Dave's yeah, back right you here. are. He's, he's pretty proud of this <laughs> one. Good. He's proud of That's this one. But hey, you know, yeah, when, yeah. when you have when a victory you, like that, yeah. and then lo and yeah. behold, two days later, then now the National Weather Service, you know, they start to catch up. They yeah. they have snow in there. But even then, even like two days out, they were still somewhat behind the curve, and we just they never might. never stopped. I mean, we pretty much had that same idea 
right commit. from the get-go. Commit. Right. If you're going to do it, commit. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's like yep. hitting a home run. I mean, hey, you know, you do a little cheer around the bases. It's the same yep. thing. When we get events like that and we do so well and we have a big victory, we turn that into a, a nice poster and highlight our victories well, like plus that. Plus, you because had a little bit of sacrifice in there, Dave, because a little bit before we came on uh, the <laughs> podcast, he was telling us about the, the story of like, did you have to? Did you guys both have to like stay overnight? At, well, at, I, at AccuWeather, or like what happened? At that time, I lived from the old AccuWeather building, probably which was much smaller, 12, 13 miles away, or whatever. In hindsight, I I had a four-wheel drive truck. I probably could have braved it and made it. I was working that Sunday afternoon, evening. It was like right in the heart of the storm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, but I kind of already made a choice that I was going to stay in town because AccuWeather was offering anybody working that day if they wanted to. They had a they had a, a hotel or motel. Several blocks away from from the old AccuWeather building. Walking so, distance. So walking distance. Yes. So I decided to to stay overnight, and here I, I and it was late. It was after midnight. It was a long day. I probably worked a twelve hour day that day, yeah. and walking over to the motel in the snow, in the wind, and everything. So I check in, and you know, okay, I'm from AccuWeather. Here's your room. Here's your key. I get to my my ho- my motel room, and it's like twenty eight degrees in there. I can see my breath. What's going on? I go over to the window and the window is open like an inch and a half. Oh my Not God. just a crack, but it was and snow was blowing in my room. Oh, so oh I had to gosh. shut the window, crank up the heat, and it took probably like half of the night to get the temperature up to like sixty, some bearable. So I'm like oh huddling in, you know, with my coat on trying to sleep in this room. Oh my God. I made it though. I, I survived and I was right there, and I only had to walk a few blocks into work the next day. But that yeah. was that was my my blizzard of '96 experience, wow. you know, staying overnight in State College at a at the AccuWeather Motel. <laughs> well, top that. Well, <laughs> Paul, no, we have the trailers. Now. Yes, I think we in did. Ni- okay, I, I get confused a little bit between the '93 storm, the March '93, and the '96. But I believe this is the storm where I stayed 26 hours in a row working. 26 hours. Wow. Also, he did beat your story because you were sleeping in a hotel was sleeping that was freezing, and, yeah, but he was still, he was still but there. I did, I did go over there, but I went over there briefly, and I came back. This, I mean, I was 26 hours because people couldn't get in, so I had to stay for their shift. And, I mean, I was only in the company for a couple of years then. You know, I started yeah. in 92. So, I mean, you know, I just, yeah, I did my job. I stayed there. I picked up for other people that had families, and I stayed yeah. in and, and did my job, and well, it was you fun. Pay, it's it was the experience. early years. It's the early years in the business where you're paying your dues, and you're Absolutely. just kind of like, oh, uh, you know, you just work so many Am long I? hours. I still pay my dues. Now. <laughs> <laughs> different way. Yeah. Your dues look, but, look uh, a little different now. But, but the whole thing was, is it was it was fun. We made it, we made it fun. It was yeah. hard work, but we made it fun. I mean, we had to. I mean, we'd look crazy if we didn't, but... Uh, you know, we had some good people there, and we got the job done on, again, the limited stuff back then, which was, you know, for us at that point was, you know, we had enough information to do what we had to do, the skill set. But uh, it would have been nice to have a Doppler radar. But you know, And being, yeah. you know, being being weather weenies like Paul and I, you know, you live for Absolutely. days like that. That's what you just get all fired up, and you live on adrenaline, you know. Right. You just operate exactly. on adrenaline. You're tired, but... So what? You know, you just keep going. And we will keep going. But first, we're going to take a little break in our discussion here because, Ken, we want to tell uh, folks to subscribe or where to find us. Absolutely. If you like what you're hearing, you can check out all of our other episodes of Everything Under the Sun podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get to uh, listen to your favorite podcast. Right. And we want them to subscribe. That's right. Click that subscribe button. And, of course, you can uh, go back and listen to some of our other past shows, just like the one we put out last week, our yearly 
wrap up Reed Timmer breaking down his top five storm chases of the year. It's a good show. Right. So subscribe. You'll get alerts. You'll know when the next episode drops. Now back to our discussion with Dave. Okay, Dave. So now let's get back to actually breaking down the storm and and why this ended up being such a a mess, really. Right. We had the blizzard of 96 earlier in the month of uh, January 1996. Uh, We had a couple of other, at least one other significant snow event after that. And it was cold, and so we had a lot of snow on the ground uh, right. in the Northeast, and Pennsylvania in particular. We probably had two to four feet of snow on the ground across wow. the state of Pennsylvania. So when you're talking about liquid equivalent... Even if it's a 10 to 1 ratio, I mean, just do the math on that. Even if it's two feet of snow and and, and you do the math on a 10 to 1 ratio, that's mm-hmm. over two inches, two to three inches of water locked up in that snowpack. So then we have a frozen ground... We had a lot of snow on the ground, and here at AccuWeather, we were looking at this pattern setting up during that like third week, basically. But heading into that week, we saw a big warm-up coming, a day-by-day progression in the temperatures trending upward, and at the end of that week, on the like maybe the fourth or fifth day of that stretch of the warm-up, we had a big rainstorm. Uh, oh, all my. the computer models are really on board and very good agreement that there was going to be a very juicy wet system coming up out of the Gulf of Mexico into this mild air mass, it was going to dump like two to five inches of rain. Wow, what did you think when you saw that? (laughs) Flood, (laughs) flood. I mean, mean, because that's very concerning. Yeah, and we know that was one of those, like, again, it was like a no-brainer situation. It's like it was, we were, it was right in front of our eyes. It's like, we've really got to take this seriously. and We got to start sending out the alert uh, signals like right away let's tell people that this is a serious situation that could be developing here later this week. Given the frozen ground, given all the snow that's going to melt, and we have this rain on top of that. So five days out, AccuWeather, we pulled the trigger on the word flooding, and we we started talking about the flooding potential. At the same time, a lot of our competition, they were talking about the chance of rain and you know, kind of lottie right. forecasts like that. The day before, it became so apparent. This is like, okay, this is going to happen. This could be catastrophic flooding. Historic, yes. uh, whatever words you want to use to describe it. And so we really pulled out the stops in our wording of our forecasts the day before. This says, this is going to be serious, uh, maybe life-threatening flooding. It's going to close roads and so on and so forth. So we really pulled out the stops big time the day before. I tell you, Regina, I... I've never in my lifetime, I've never seen that much snow on the ground melt that quickly. Literally, there were a couple of feet of snow on the ground. It was on a Thursday, Thursday evening, and by Friday morning, the snow was gone. Wow, I mean, literally what kind of temperatures overnight. were we? Because it was a warm wind out of It was ahead a warm wind out of I the remember. south, and the dew points were really high. It was, it was actually, for, I mean, winter standards, it was humid. I mean, even for, like, April standards or May, it right. would have been considered humid. I think we had dew points in the upper 50s. We probably uh, had some tem- pretty dense snow fog, too. Yes, we did for a time, although there was enough there was enough wind uh, to keep things stirred up and, and mm-hmm. so forth that you didn't have that much of a problem. But we had temperatures that got up near 60, maybe low 60s, upper 50s, give or take, uh, and we have really high dew points. And then we had all this rain that fell. Like, right. like I said, at least two inches in a lot of places. Some places got three, four inches, right. four to five. And the ground was frozen, and so all that water had no place to go. Mm-hmm. It had no choice but to just run off. And so we had some of the worst flooding 
you know, you, that, you can compare that to the 72 Agnes flood and some of the other ones we had in the 2000s, but it ranks right up there. I mean, it's in the top probably three or four uh, as far as the worst flooding uh, ever in the state of Pennsylvania. Well, well, there was the significant river flooding, but there was also a problem with the ice jams as yes. well, because not only, because you have significant river flooding from heavy rainfall, right. but with the ice jams, on top of the fact that it was all runoff, right. that created some significant problems as well. Exactly. Yeah. And then follow, and I remember storm drains all being plugged with snow. With snow, Because right. they had plowed yeah. over storm drains, so mm-hmm. there was nowhere for that to go. But... After the storm was crazy, too, because we went in such extremes. Yes. So what happened right after this heavy rainfall? Right, right after. And, and that, that Friday, you could probably, you know, I know some of the stories on my part. I remember my kids, well, my older daughter was in school at that time. She was probably in, I don't know, I'd have to think back, maybe first, second grade, something like that. But, you know, all the area schools were closed. There were roads closed around the area. It was a real disaster from a flooding standpoint. And then... The very next day, following this storm, this this big warm up and the big rainstorm, then the very next day, this you know cold air mass, much colder air mass, comes right back in. Didn't waste any time, and so we have all this this water just standing around, going nowhere, and it's freezing up into this just this ice. This so blocks of ice. So is that low left? It dragged that colder Co- air. Dragged the cold. And this is January. This is yes. not like we're talking yeah. like not springtime, not fall. This is the dead of winter, right? You know, January 19th, 20th. Right. So that cold air didn't waste any time. It came right back in and you had all this water laying around and it just froze up. And it, it was, it was, it was just a mess. mess. Well, I'll tell yeah. you what I remember about it because my brother-in-law's house, um, they're near a river that has only flood, flooded on a couple of occasions, but mm-hmm. it flooded, and then they then it froze, and they never had to mark the side of the house as to where the flooding <laughs> line was because the ice hung there for a couple days, yeah. you know, so you could see where your water line was on all the houses in the area because right. it was frozen yeah. in place yep. as it started to break loose. So uh, really interesting story. Thanks for breaking it down for me, Dave. You bet. Well, we appreciate our guest, Paul Pastelock and Dave Dombeck. And, you know, coming up, we have some really good episodes. If you're interested in the 96 uh, blizzard, we've got another one episode like that coming up, right, Andy? Yeah, around March, we're going to be talking with some people that were here at AccuWeather during the blizzard of 1993. So make sure to stay tuned for that. I wasn't even born yet. You were. <laughs> you, you were like 40 when that storm happened. Ooh. <laughs> no, I'm t- wow. I am kidding. I am kidding. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, we have that. We also are going to be talking about weather and your mental health and physical health. And we are going to look into some forensic studies of some winter weather and some lawsuits. Andy's very excited about the forensics episode coming up. You might learn something about icicles falling off and hurting yourself. And then who's going to be making jokes? Not, (laughs) Not me. He's been talking for weeks about icicles falling I think he brought this up people. in August. He did. So <laughs> we will be talking about that. Stay with us for all these great episodes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.